You're listening to a podcast from York City Church. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more, please visit our website at www.yorkcitychurch.org.uk. Good morning. Uh, so, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, some Greeks come to Philip and say, Sir, we want to see Jesus. And that's my prayer for you today. That we will see Jesus. You'll know that I'm a big fan of the Gospel of Mark. One. Uh, you can't, I couldn't believe my luck when the lectionary said it was Mark chapter 10 today. Uh, and if you'd said which bit of Mark specifically it's the bit about Bartimaeus that I'm itching to preach about even before I knew. So I'm make what you will of that. So what we're going to do is a little bit of what we do in Read, Mark, Learn. We're actually going to listen to a large section, oh, I don't know, 40 verses, 39 verses of Mark's Gospel together. And what I'd like you to do is just to make sure that uh, you're sitting comfortably. Uh, try to just, uh, I mean, follow the words on the screen if you like. Um, Follow it in your own Bible if you like. Or just close your eyes and listen. And try to imagine the scene. Try to picture what's going on. Listen to what's being said. See what's being done. And just uh, let the, the text wash over you, just uh, enjoy it, and, and, and see if there's anything that jumps out to you. So children, are you sitting comfortably? We'll begin. So I just want to reiterate the welcome uh, to everyone here, especially if this is your first time at York City Church. But whoever you are, thanks for coming along this morning. It's really good to see you. Uh, We want you to know that you are welcome here. We want you to know that you are valued here, whoever you are. We want you to feel at home, and rather like those parents bringing their little children to Jesus, who got more than they asked for or were expecting, we want you to be blessed today. They just wanted a touch, but instead, Jesus took the children in his arms He touched them, put his hands on them, and blessed them. We want you to encounter Jesus here today. We want you to be blessed here. And we don't want you to go away sad. But, as we heard in our reading, that is a real possibility. Please, Don't go 
Why you sad, dear children? The rich guy we met was quite intense, wasn't he? He was running in. You can almost see him now. I'm falling at his feet. And he's got a really big question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? It's all of a bit of a fuss and all a bit sudden. I wonder how we would respond to such a question. If he'd been there a few minutes earlier, he might have known the answer. Uh, why wasn't he there earlier? Maybe he was running late. Uh, maybe he was rather busy. Are you too busy? Are you too distracted? Do you have time to give big questions? Some thought. But he's here now, and so what is the question? Well, it's a big one. But Jesus doesn't seem to be that interested in his question. Uh, indeed, he almost seems not to hear it. Why do you call me good? I mean, that was uh, the greeting he got. Um, and there was the question, and he's like, oh, hold on a minute. Why do you call me good? Jesus is asking the man to stop thinking about his big question and he's trying to turn the man's attention on himself, on Jesus. So stop looking at yourself. Stop thinking about your stuff. Stop thinking about your idea of what maybe heaven on earth looks like. Stop thinking about how you can have your idea of heaven on earth forever. Look to Jesus and listen to his agenda. And what is Jesus' agenda? The first words we hear from Jesus in the book of Mark are these. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And throughout Mark, we, we hear Jesus uh, referring to himself in a rather strange way. Um, he, he doesn't make huge claims to be, I'm the son of God, and uh, as we might expect. Uh, he actually adopts this name, son of man. And uh, that, that term, Son of Man, actually appeared, didn't it, in our reading. Um, even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. Um, so, Son of Man is part of what Jesus is saying his good news is. Um, why does he do this? What does he mean? Well, it, it's quite a puzzle, and it's one we think about quite a lot on Read, Mark, Learn. And, and in, in Read, Mark, Learn, we've discovered some help in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel the dreamer, the interpreter of dreamers. And he says uh, at one point, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. 
The man is right. Jesus is good, and Jesus is a teacher. I mean, incidentally, did uh, you uh, not notice that uh, Jesus says that God alone is good? Um, Make of that what you will. Uh, But Jesus is much more than a good teacher, personal trainer, or life coach. Jesus is God's king, and Jesus shall reign on God's throne over God's kingdom forever. And with the arrival of Jesus, the kingdom of God has come. The king is here. So, if you want to live forever, you need to be under his rule and his reign because his kingdom is the only kingdom that will last forever. You need to become his disciple. You need to follow him. But you'll only do that if you recognize who Jesus is and you prize him about every other thing in your life. Just trying to be good isn't going to cut it. This man has led a good moral life and has done so since he was a child. But now he's no longer a child. He's ceased to be a child. His life has become complicated and it's full of stuff. What would this young guy have heard if he'd been there only a few minutes earlier? Well, we heard it. Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. He's grown up. He's no longer a child. He has lots of stuff filling his life. What's the solution? Jesus looks at him and loved him. You need to know this morning that God loves you. That won't stop you going away sad in and of itself. But be assured, God loves you. One thing you lack, Jesus said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. We get a little bit het up about the selling all you have and giving to the poor. The one thing he lacks is not that. The one thing he lacks is that he is not a follower of Jesus. The key to eternal life is being a follower of Jesus. It's not about putting something aside for a rainy day. It's not pie in the sky by and by if you try. 
It's not something you tack on to your already perfect life. It's not an insurance policy to guarantee your uninterrupted heaven on earth. Jesus calls the rich guy to turn from the material things, material blessings, good things, turn from them to follow him. Dear children, the one thing he lacks is Jesus. This man just wants a quick answer so that he can get on living his perfect life, but Jesus is having nothing of it. Drop it all and pursue me. We tend to get rather fixated on that sell everything. Perhaps it's because we're too fixated ourselves with our own notions of what is a perfect life. And we let ourselves off too quickly because this text deals with one of them. But you'll know what yours is. Um, You want to live forever, fame? Sorry. Uh, Do you want to fly? Learn how to fly? What is your thing? Is it love? Is it Sex, drugs, rock and roll? Is it money? It can be money. Is it your health? Tries not to look at Vicky. Uh, study? Do you want to get a bachelor's, a master's, a PhD? Um, do you want a career? Is it having a family, children? Is it having grandchildren? <laughs> Is it having great grandchildren? I'll wait a bit for that. Is it your pets? Is it your tech? Is it cars? Is it holidays? Is it travel? Is it sports? Is it hobbies? Is it religion? Media? The arts? Is it honor, power, and influence? What is your stuff? What is it that you're living for? What is it that preoccupies you? What is your heaven on earth? Oh, have I missed anything in that list? I mean, have you seen the new Apple MacBook Pros? Oh yeah, fields. Listen, uh, verse 28. Peter spoke up, we've left everything to follow you. Truly I say to you, Jesus replied, no one has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and for the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Things were a bit simpler in Jesus' day, weren't they? Family and fields. But now there's all this stuff. What rich lives we lead. Dear children, so many good things, so many blessings. But if we hold on to them too tightly, we cannot follow Jesus. Following Jesus isn't like something you do on social media. You can't just simply subscribe 
to Jesus or click the bell to get his notifications. But that could be the way that we treat going to church or quiet times. Rush in, get some quick answers and then rush out and carry on your oh-so-full life. And following Jesus isn't just a creed you sign up to. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. It's not just a creed you sign up to. In his commentary on Mark, James Edwards says this, the Greek word for follow is used in the Gospels only in, of Jesus' disciples, never of those who oppose him. Occurring 19 times in Mark, following is a load-bearing term that describes the proper response of faith and is indeed practically synonymous with faith. Following is an act that involves risk and cost. It is something one does, not simply what one thinks or believes. Dear children, following Jesus is not easy. But it is a major theme of Mark's Gospel. Mark chapter 1. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me. And I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. When he'd gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Oh, we've heard about them again, haven't we? In a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Zebedee's hopping mad. Never mind. Time for bed. Mark chapter 2. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me. And Levi got up and followed him. Levi's Roman security guard says... uh, but what do we do with all this stuff, the, the ledgers, the money bags? Levi shrugs, you'll work something out. And he's off. That bit isn't in Mark, by the way. Dear children, following Jesus is not easy. And those who once followed him without reservation can go wobbly. Is that you? Or will it be you in the future? Peter is having a bit of a wobbly when he says, we've left everything to follow you. And it's not the first time he's had a bit of a wobbly. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus explains for the first time what is going to happen to him and Peter completely loses the plot and ends up getting called Satan. Did you come here this morning to be called Satan? Let's see. 
He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but mere human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me, Peter, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man, Jesus, not me, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. second time Jesus explains again what's going to happen he uses pretty much the same language and immediately the disciples start arguing about who is disciple of the month and the third time we had in our reading it's James and John we've seen them called in Mark chapter 1 and here in chapter 10 uh, they they've obviously got a plan hatched Um, they're at the front of the queue Jesus is saying, we're going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him, spit on him, flog him, kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Teacher, let one of us sit on your left and one of your right when you come in your glory. What Jesus is saying seems impossible to them. It does not compute. In what sense are they even disciples? Jesus is teaching all this stuff and they don't get it. They seem ashamed of him and his words. They started out well, but now they seem disillusioned, even delusional. It's almost as if they were totally deaf to what Jesus is saying. Deafness and blindness are big themes in Mark's Gospel. And so at last, to the text for today, Bartimaeus, the blind man. He lives in the ancient cursed city of Jericho. That's not a good start. You know, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho and the wars came. Yeah, that bit, yeah. He is blind. He is someone's child. He's son of Timaeus. 
Uh, Timaeus may actually mean honoured one. Oh, that's a bit ironic, isn't it? He's in Jericho, he's blind, he's begging, begging by the side of the road, the honoured one. But he sees something that nobody else has seen yet. He sees that Jesus is the son of David. And he knows how to respond to the son of David. Son of David, have mercy on me. He's also persistent, isn't he? <laughs> he won't shut up. It's like a crying baby. Just, just, just a moment's peace, please. But he won't. Son of David, have mercy. Jesus, son of mercy. Jesus, son of... It's just, it's just gibberish. And, and they are just... Uh, I mean, shh, be quiet. Really? How dare you? But he doesn't give in to the peer pressure either. He just shouts even louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he jumps to his feet as soon as Jesus calls him. And he knows exactly what to ask. Great teacher, I want to see. He's immediately, immediately granted his request. Right there, right then, he receives his sight. And he follows Jesus along the road. He is the prototype disciple. We've been waiting for him. These 12 that have been with Jesus for so long, who know all this stuff, have seen all this. He's not seen any of that. And yet he knows this is the son of David and this is how you react when you meet the son of David. Incidentally, the next part of Mark is uh, Palm Sunday. And the crowds are now saying, Hosanna, son of David. Where did they get that from? Maybe they got it from the blind man. Now, Mark is a very clever writer. The whole section has been bound together by various themes. And one of those themes, dear children is children. Did you notice? Uh, everyone seems to be someone's child. Even in this last section, we have James and John, the sons of Zebedee. We have Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. We have Jesus, the son of man, the son of David, even the son of God. Spoiler alert. Everyone's children but Mark's genius is even greater. You see, what he's done is he's shown us the sons of Zebedee and the son of Timaeus, one story after the other. And they have something else in common, not just children, but Jesus asks them exactly the same question. I think that's really important when that happens in the Bible, when something gets repeated. Jesus asks the same question, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? Jesus to do for you, little children. 
What do you pray for? I don't think Bartimaeus is thinking of any long-term healing in that moment. I don't even think he cares that much about what happens next. Right now, the son of David is standing right in front of him, and he can't see him. Israel's long-promised Messiah is right there in front of him. I think he just wants to see Jesus. I think there's almost something of a Simeon about him, you know, when Jesus is brought to the temple, and Simeon takes the baby Jesus in his arms. He, he says, Sovereign Lord, he's praising God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you've promised, you may now send your servant away in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, here we are, and the glory of your people Israel. And Bartimaeus receives salvation. Jesus says, your faith has healed you. Uh, The word for healing and salvation is the same. Uh, Think of uh, something that you would put on, you know, like a salve, Um, Now, today you came through a door with salvation in big red letters over the top. Now, I don't want you to go away disappointed. I want you to go away healed. I don't want you to go away sad. I want you to go away saved. But I don't get it, Phil. I wish I had your faith. I'm not a bad person. I've lived a pretty good life. I'm not sure I could give it up for Jesus. Well, yes, we all used to think that way, and sometimes we still do. Sometimes we go wobbly. But what we need, what you need, what I need, is to see Jesus for who he is and for what he has done. It's a revelation. And it's, a revolution. Jesus will turn your whole world upside down. The first will be last, and the last will be first. You will throw away your life, and in doing so, you will save it. Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, a repeated theme of the Bible is whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I think perhaps the most encouraging, most beautiful moment in this whole story that we've read today are two words. There's Bartimaeus, like a little kid. Jesus stopped. Jesus was going past. He heard. Son of David, have mercy on me. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We all need a fresh vision of Jesus. James and John are close. They know that Jesus deserves the highest honor, but they want a slice of it. They need to turn They need to learn about being first and last, and last being first.
Jesus says to them, the greatest one, and that's him by the way, must become the least, the servant of all. You can't outdo Jesus, you see. There's something that he must do that you can't do for yourself. That's why we cry out to him, have mercy on us. He has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Earlier in Mark, in chapter 6, we meet another king, Herod. Herod has an amazing idea. For his birthday, he's going to have a sumptuous banquet. And there's going to be a lot of important people there. And people are going to have uh, special seats for the guests of honour. A girl will dance provocatively, and Herod is so pleased that he offers her half of his kingdom. And as a result, the last Old Testament prophet, John the Baptist, loses his head. Jesus holds nothing back. He doesn't offer you half of his kingdom. He offers you everything. Not just the kingdom, the king. What would it take to buy you back from all the stuff that you treasure. It would take a king's ransom. James and John want to be on the left and the right in his glory. In just a few days' time, they'll actually see what that means. Jesus is going to be enthroned. Jesus is going to be crowned. And there will be one on his left and one on his right. And when James and John see Jesus crucified and crowned with thorns, with one on his left and one on his right, they'll be really grateful that he didn't give them what they asked for. Because he's doing something that they cannot Dear children, you have nothing that you can bring to the party. Drop everything. Follow him.